All right, hello and welcome everyone to another episode of Waiting to be Signed, the show where we discuss the week's events in generative art. My name is Will and I'm joined by Trinity. Before we get started, a quick disclaimer. We are here to talk about art, not just the aesthetics, but the money surrounding it, as the market is a key part of art on the blockchain. That said, nothing we say here should be taken as financial advice. It is just for fun and conversation. You can follow us on Twitter, at Waiting to Sign, to keep up with our thoughts throughout the week, or for those who prefer a visual language, on Instagram, at Waiting to Be Signed. If you are feeling generous, we are always accepting donations, including tokens at our Tez wallet address, wtbs.tez, and our ETH wallet address, wtbs.eth. And of course, the best way you can support the show is by collecting the FX text article that accompanies each episode. It's a great way to follow along with all the art, references, everything we discussed. There's going to be links. There's going to be images. It's all going to be in that article. So check it out and collect. All right, Trinity, it is June 30th. Summer's officially started. How are you feeling? I'm feeling great. Yeah. I love the summer. I love hanging out. (laughs) Hanging out is very different these days, isn't it? <laughs> it's quite different these days, but you know, it just makes you uh, appreciate hanging out even more. Do you have any plans for this 4th of July weekend? You're not driving to Canada and back again, are you? No, no, no plans this weekend. I actually forgot it was the 4th of July weekend, but we are having a, a nanny start after 4th of July weekend. So that'll That's be exciting. very exciting slash the end of an absolute era. Of being a stay-at-home parent to a small baby. I mean, I'll still be a stay-at-home parent, but no longer full-time childcare. It's weird. Yeah, this is great. I mean, this is a good time to do it because every month, like the way the childcare works, just it just changes and it becomes more and more like they can tell when you're not engaged, and then they just they punish you. (laughs) So having someone who's going to do it, like when they're little, you can at least be on your phone. You could read Discord, and they're just kind of chilling there. It's not that big of a deal, but at a certain age, if you're not really on with them, I don't know. It's very, very hard to multitask these days, I'll say, for myself. Yeah. I mean, I think if anything, it just means that the times that we will be like parenting, obviously we'll be parenting the entire time, but like we'll have a better idea or better, like more energy to be fully present. You know, I think when it's full time, all in, all the time it does become like emotionally draining. It's hard. But, yes. you know, if I have those hours during the week in which I'm working because I'm, I'm back at work and everything, it'll be a lot easier to be fully present and engaged. It definitely makes a big difference. I'm excited for you. Yeah, I hope the new nanny, I hope, I hope they work out. I hope it's going to be a good situation. We're still looking for a, another family for the nanny share. So if anybody has any recommendations for people or they live in New York City with around a six month old, <laughs> let me know. And they want to share a nanny, get at Yes. You. Yes. This is the classified section of the right. podcast. This is going to be our new segment, classifieds. It's a short segment this week. Just if you if you want to share a nanny with Trinity, get in the DMs or if you know a way to facilitate that, very helpful. It was an interesting week this week. There's a lot of big announcements. There's kind of just one after another. So we have a lot of stuff to talk about. But should we do a little bit of housekeeping and donations before we jump into the bulk of the episode here? Sure. Why not? You know, why not? We do that every week. So let's do it. So I'm not really sure how to frame this other than to say that we've been making the show nonstop for over 18 months now. Never missed a week. It's been great. We love doing it. 
but we need to take a little break. <laughs> we need to, especially now that we have babies. And I think also we need some time to like regroup. And we have a very long list of things that we've been meaning to, to focus on and decide for the show. That's very hard to actually attend to because we ha- we're so busy actually making the show. Mm-hmm. I think that when thinking about how to frame this, FX hash had a, a nice little break between FX hash beta and FX hash 1.0. Mm-hmm. Things were closed for minting. Everybody was still excited about FX hash and talking about it. And then when it came back a month later, everything was bigger, better, new contracts, new ideas, new features, collaborations. You know, it just kind of amped up a lot. And I think that's kind of one of the things that we're looking yeah. to get out of this. We're closing our beta period. <laughs> right. We've had a nice long 17 month beta period, 18 month beta period, however long it was. So, yeah, we're going to take July off, basically. There's still mm-hmm. going to be interview episodes. We have, for example, one that we recorded with Cyphered that will hopefully be coming out very soon. And we've got more planned for July as well. So don't worry, there's still going to be some content. But these weekly episodes, we're not going to be doing them for July. Be back in August with those. And in the meantime, yeah. we're just going to be focusing on like all the ways that we can make the show better, refocusing ourselves. I have a long list. We're, I don't know if you looked at the July yeah, high discussion list, but it's big. That was how I discovered that um, Notion wasn't working, actually, because <laughs> yeah, I was so trying to click into it, it and it said no. <laughs> but so, yeah, so we'll be back. We're planning to be back on August 6th, right? Yeah, August 6th, we'll be back. So in the meantime, if you've been meaning to catch up on interviews and things and you just feel like, ah, oh, they're releasing so much great content, I can't quite get it all. Like, this is a great opportunity to go back, revisit some interviews that you might have missed, check out some old articles that you might have missed, maybe consider giving those a mint. And of course, we'll still be in Discord. We'll still be on Twitter. So we're not going to be gone. We're just not going to be doing the regular episodes. Yes. You know, maybe what we can do is just instead of the regular weekly episode, we will tweet out maybe a specific interview that we think deserves some more love and attention. I love that idea. Yeah. Um, Especially if you're a newer listener. There's some oldies and goodies. They're there for the taking. Maybe we'll tweet when drops come up because there will be drops. We'll probably tweet about them since we're not going to be. I don't I don't imagine that our comeback episode in August is just going to be us going through an entire month of drops. So I think we should try to keep engaged on Twitter with that, which is lower lift. So we can we can try to commit to that. So that's housekeeping. That's housekeeping. Trinity, can you take us into donations here? Because we have a lot to talk about. Yes. So from Pixel Symphony, we received Soul, which actually looking at it, it is redeemable. So we'll have to fight for the redeemable piece. And that's okay. We can just cut it in half. And we also received a mm-hmm. metamorphosis. So thank you, Pixel Symphony. And then from Obi, we received a very generous 100 test donation following their run on Contras. So thank you, Obi. Thank you for absolutely raising the Contra floor. Not that it needed it. Oh, it needed it. <laughs> well, not if we were looking to acquire more. It definitely didn't need it at that point. But I think it was a smart move overall. I was happy to see it. It was cool. It was really uh, exciting to see that run and very nice to receive his leftover change. <laughs> in I mean, after so the, you, the Contra run, he did go and buy a couple of dragons and then did a foundations run. So yeah, busy week for Obi, who if you follow them on Twitter, very active in just all aspects of crypto and NFT stuff like Bitcoin ordinals, ETH inscriptions, which I didn't even know that was a thing, shit coins all over the place. So I think Obi is out there getting every absolute edge that they can and then bringing the profits back into art, which we love to see. All right. Huge week in FX hash news. Should we start with the big announcement? Yeah, I think we should. So 
Trinity, what was announced this week? Well, we already talked about the transition from FX hash beta to FX hash 1.0. And we are officially getting FX hash 2.0 in fall or winter. And with that is a huge update. FX hash is coming to Ethereum. Everything we love about FX hash, open platform, params, all of the features that we see today, redeemables, will all be available on Ethereum at launch with the open platform. It's just going to be a side-by-side thing where artists can choose to mint their project on Tez, mint their project on ETH. They will all be a part of the same queue, a part of the same feed. All the art will be together. It's very, very exciting. And also, as a part of that announcement, is the introduction of on-chain minting which has been one of the big things that primarily the ETH collectors have been complaining about, to put it lightly. And so now that FX hash is on ETH and on chain, they better put their money where their mouth is and start collecting, right? That's kind of how I feel, or I guess I should say that's kind of my hope, right? I think this is a Mm -hmm. super interesting move. I've seen a lot of diverse takes on it, ranging from this is just basically like FX hash is farewell to Tez, like it's just going, you know, ETH is just going to consume it. Like once we make the change, you know, slight spoilers for the new view, but Cypher's take is obviously different and feels that it might actually elevate some of the test stuff and get, you know, hopefully bring more attention to the art that's there. I have no idea which way it's going to go. I think either seem plausible when you listen to just the arguments and kind of like theory crafting that people are doing around this. But from a platform standpoint, I think it's a smart move and it will almost certainly like I think cement FX hash as the biggest or second biggest like gen art platform, uh, depending on how you want to count it. So what are the people saying on Twitter? I haven't been able to check as much. <laughs> what, what, what is the discussion there, Will? It's basically just like once ETH is available with all these tools, what incentives I think are artists going to have to continue to release on Tezos? What if we start seeing a big disparity between success I think we see that actually a little bit with with like what's been happening on Alba. A lot of artists that we know from FX Hash have sold out drops there at prices that they would never have gotten on Tezos or on FX Hash, at least right now. And why would we expect that to necessarily change just because FX Hash now is coming to ETH? Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. well, I kind of expect that same disparity, that price disparity to be there. So that kind of is what makes me think like, oh, people are going to really bias towards ETH once this move is made. I don't know. That's, that's I think, is kind of like the bearish case on it, at least for, for Tez. It's still all good mm-hmm. for FX hash, right? All the, mm-hmm. va- all the value is going to redound to FX hash in the long run. Yeah. I mean, with the counterpoint being that because there's this brand new generative art platform on ETH and people are seeing all of the amazing beta projects that were there and the projects uh, from the last 18 months, you know, it's actually good advertising for Tezos as a blockchain because people who might not have been as aware or less invested now they're having everything put right in front of their face. And so there's the chance that they would go create a Tezos wallet, load up with some Tez, or just pay via Winter with credit card or Ethereum to then get those pieces. And so I think from that perspective, mm-hmm. right, that's the advertising angle where they're just bringing more attention to the pieces already there. I buy that to a degree. I think once you it's get good people- for onboarding, maybe. Good for onboarding to Tezos gives a lot of people an incentive to create. It's like, okay, if I'm going to go collect Netflix hash and ETH, I might as well create and connect a Tezos wallet because what if a really cool drop hits and I want to like mint it? I don't want to miss because I have to set up a wallet. Or if I want to load up on RGBs. 
or Contras or Looms. So let me ask you though, as someone who does a lot of user design experience stuff in your job, if you were new to FX Hash and you came here because of ETH and you looked at the site, how are you finding dragons? How are you finding RGBs? How are you finding Contras? You have to know about it or hear about it. The marketplace tab. Right now, that's how I find it. Uh, Also the homepage. The marketplace tab and the homepage are the main areas where older projects are being highlighted and surfaced. And ideally, theoretically, people would be then also joining the FX Hash Discord. So we'll see a huge influx of new shit posters and price discussion where they'll be seeing the sales feed. They'll be seeing everybody get super hyped when a dragon sells and just being a part of the overall community. So I think that this is a Mm -hmm. case of the overall raft or the island getting bigger. It's just removing a barrier to entry for people who might have otherwise been interested. I think the bigger concern is less about the collector base leaving Tezos. I think it'll be great for Tezos from a collector base perspective. It's more about artists. You know, some people have been super into Tezos originally because of the clean NFT conversation. Obviously, Ethereum is now proof of stake, not proof of work. And some people had loyalty to FX Ash. So what does that look like from the idea of new work being created and minted, at least for the larger artists who don't mind paying the amount of money that it might take to create an ETH project, whether it's on IPFS or on chain? I mean, that's my biggest question. I think my biggest open question. I agree. And I hope that bringing more collectors here through the addition of ETH is going to further socialize the projects that we know and love, you know, the quote unquote grails, and hopefully even a lot of the grail adjacent stuff too. I mean, whom amongst us wouldn't love it if a bunch of ETH collectors came and started buying more Coronados, you know, (laughs) like I think we'd, I think we'd all love to see that, but it is the new work release that I'm like really curious what the trends will be. And I Mm -hmm. imagine like if, not if, but when this 2.0 launch happens, I think that's going to be what a lot of the conversation centers around. It's going to be like, wow, like this week, 80% of the releases were ETH and of the Tezos drops, like no one minted them because they were all like hick nude like projects. Not that there's anything wrong with hick nude. There's a time and place for everything. (laughs) Not there's anything wrong with it, but I think it would start to feel very weird if the Tezos stuff really were all these zero and one Tez image comp projects that people don't mint now or rarely mint. And then all the ETH stuff was like the code-based long form. So I think that's something that I don't know if they're going to have a way like the FX hash team of controlling that. It sounds like they're going to take a pretty laissez-faire approach to it. Yeah. And they've already taken that approach with the releases so far. I mean, as you can see, there are the Hicknude and Hicknude adjacent pieces all over the Explore page. But, you know, I do think that we're seeing a downward trend in the number of those being released over time simply because they're getting zero ROI for their time and effort to actually put those projects up. You know, unfortunately, it's still like a similar percentage of the Explore page simply because (laughs) we're not seeing that many new big projects overall. But I think that with Ethereum, we will see more big and exciting things hitting the feed because I think qualitatively speaking... It seems that most artists are choosing to drop on Alba, on Verse, on Artblocks to a lesser extent because Artblocks just has a certain like prominence within the community because they're able to make so much more money on ETH. And if they're able to make that much money on FX Ash with its very robust collector base, it's a very robust community, as well as its adjacency to like absolute grails within the generative mm. art movement, I'm wondering if that's just not the biggest barrier. I think we're going to find out, you know, as we learned from... The interview with Cypher that's coming out soon, it's probably at least six months away. 
if not more. I'm sure there's shooting mm-hmm. for six months. I'd hope that they can get it done, but it's going to take a lot of work, right? Because they're committing to launching on-chain for Tez, making sure that on-chain and IPFS styles of minting are both going to be available for ETH plus all the features. So they're going to have to be writing essentially like a whole new contract. It's going to be in a different language because ETH uses Solidity. So I don't actually know how much they can port of the existing Tezos contract over. Pretty big task for them. And they need to do it right. And so like, would you be surprised if it slipped a little bit? I wouldn't. (laughs) We saw that with Redeemables. We saw that with Params. We saw that with 1.0 back in the day. That's true. I think we have a lot of time to kind of dwell on it, but we won't know until it happens. I wrote down two things that I wish we had asked in our interview that we didn't ask. I'm assuming we'll have an opportunity to get some answers to these questions when we get closer to 2.0 launch through like an FX fam or something. Mm -hmm. But two things I saw come up in response to this were what plans, if any, will FX hash have to enforce royalties on ETH? Because right now, basically, royalties are de facto enforced on Tezos because there's just no one who's created a platform to help you get around them. You have to buy it through these marketplaces who have just committed to enforcing them like Object and FX hash. But over there, it's kind of more of a wild west and there's a lot of bad actors. So I don't know what the answer to that is. And then the other one is like, well, will there be a mechanism for artists to bridge projects over from Tez to ETH or- Old projects? Yeah. Say Marcelo decides that, you know, the bulk of what he's been releasing has been on ETH these days, right? M. Soriaro. So if he decides, you know what, I want my old FX hash work to be on ETH, I trust the chain more or just for whatever reason, right? Maybe he thinks it'll just be better for the collection value in the long run. I'm sure artists could have any number of reasons they would want to do it. Could they use something like the redeemables mechanic as a way to bridge a token over? Or will there be pressure on FX hash? Because FX hash is very like artist friendly and they tend to build features that artists request. It's one of the reasons this ETH thing is coming is that artists were asking for it. So if artists start saying, I want ways to bridge, will they acquiesce and just say like, yeah, sure. Like we can build that for you. I guess they could. I mm-hmm. think from a roadmapping perspective, putting my product hat back on, that makes no sense to do because bridging old projects, it's probably a lot of work. There is little to no ROI for the artists in the platform because the primary for that project already ended. Essentially, you're looking to potentially grab higher secondary sales for the future. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's just understanding what the desire is from artists or collectors? And then what is the benefit to doing that from an ecosystem perspective? I don't know if you saw this, but in the Tender Discord, Alejandro was talking about how they actually did create a custom contract and Mm -hmm. experimented in porting over an Enfantine to Ethereum. And there's actually a valid listing on OpenSea. Yeah. And part of Alejandro's point there was to illustrate the benefits of something like IPFS because that project is hosted through IPFS, it was extremely easy to create a a new token on ETH that points to that same IPFS link. Mm -hmm. Versus if that project had been on-chain, how difficult it would have been to uh, bridge it over. I don't know what his personal philosophy is on it, right? Beyond just like, he wanted to see how easy it might be to do. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if he's like an ETH maxi or (laughs) IPFS maxi or what. Or just a curious computer scientist looking to see what's possible, which is also, I think... Very probable. I remember Pepe a while back did that too, right? Or EDG, if you remember. There were, was one project I think he did on FX Hash. Some number of them. Oh, yeah. He held back reserves to mint for himself, which he then Grove? took to ETH. Was it the tree one? Maybe it was the tree one. I think it was the tree one. Might have been Grove. And then I think he dropped them to people on ETH. 
I don't know. But yeah, I, so I just remember him doing something interesting back then and experimenting with it like that too. So yeah. it's not like unprecedented. Yeah. But again, that was so that he could reward his collectors over on the Ethereum side. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if there's much retroactive value. I wonder if we could potentially see artists upload a project twice. So in that sort of scenario, let's say they wanted to release it on Tezos. You know, here's 100 editions on Tezos for however much money. And then here is like half of that amount. I'm minting it on Ethereum for people who prefer to mint on Ethereum. I don't know if that's like what I would recommend an artist to do just because it's kind of creating two works, but it could be another possibility. Some people were asking if it would be possible for the collector to decide which chain they'll get their token on. Right. That's probably too difficult to do. It just also seems like really convoluted Yeah. as well. And then it just becomes harder for people or for artists to track that across both chains and if other chains like Solana were to be introduced (laughs) in the future. I just think chaos ensues. I don't know if there's a huge use case for it or a big incentive to do that. The other thing about this that I'm really curious to see how it works is, and we've been talking around this too, Mm -hmm. is like the whole on-chain versus IPFS. And, you know, a lot of the time, I think when we look at the work on FX hash and we're like, this is like so good, this is so good, like, wow. And then you look at art blocks and sometimes you're like, this work is good, but it just feels like sometimes a degree less complex or maybe Mm -hmm. sometimes two or three degrees less complex. And you're kind of like, wow, why didn't they push this? And you... Of course, the reason is that it's on it's on chain. It's expensive. You know, scaling a project to like thirty megabytes, which is what you're able to do using IPFS, would be prohibitively expensive for the artist, probably. And I'm sure that the best practices that Artblocks like advises to these artists is to to keep the code base down and manageable. So when FX Hash Two comes out, and we have ETH and we have IPFS, like I can't think of any of these other platforms that are allowing you to even do anything other than on chain. And I'm very curious to see like what that quality of work difference looks like when artists come in and then they realize that they can really stretch the code and do crazy things. Like you could never do a garden monoliths on art blocks, right? It was just the code base is too big for it. Mm-hmm. That's a really. Good I wonder point. what's going to happen with that, or if the ETH people will just say like, no, like it's not on chain. Like I don't care that it's undeniably good. How the code functions is more important to me than the aesthetic that you achieved. So hard to say, but that's something that I'm going to be so interested. So are they seeing. going to be? The- like poo-pooing the entire platform because they're not enforcing on-chain? What if they're really great on-chain projects? I think that they'll have to tag it, right? I think what's... Oh, of course, yeah. And I think we're going to start to see just kind of like there is, for better or worse, like a bias built in right now, for sure, on FX Hash against projects that take image comp or pre-murdered image tags sometimes. They're definitely harder to get those minted out. It's definitely harder to get interest and like demand bigger prices for those projects. So I wonder if we're going to see a disparity there. They'll have to put an IPFS versus on-chain tag. Yeah, presumably. Maybe the default is IPFS, and if it is on-chain, just have that tag similar to what they do with redeemables and params projects. And add a filter. Yeah. First of all, the FX hash team has like at least six months to think about all of this and plan for it. But these are just the things that as I as my head spins around the implications of this, of like all the ways it could play out or how people might mm-hmm. respond to it. One of the things that's been also floating through my mind that's kind of similar to this conversation about which types of projects, whether it's Ethereum, on-chain, off-chain, Tezos, whatever, how they demand premiums or are worth, quote-unquote, less, why would we not move to a future where things are denominated in USD? Because that protects artists from tanking crypto prices to a certain extent. It kind of brings everything to the same level, and it normalizes the price is the price. 
Yeah, I don't know. That's one thing I do love about verse so much is that it's like very straightforward. It's very clear. And it makes sense in a possible multi-chain world. Perhaps the contracts don't allow for it because you do have to figure out what the price is based off of whatever the value of Tez is at a given time. You would need to use some kind of Oracle, right? Mm -hmm. That's going to be feeding data on chain. And I think this is easier to accomplish if you do like a web 2, web 2.5 solution versus, I mean, we know the FX hash team is very committed to being like as web 3 crypto native as possible with all of this. So yeah, it's true. Using some Oracle like chain link that's going to be constantly supplying the price. I don't know how that's going to interact with the Tezos half. And if there are Oracles on Tezos that will update the pricing information in real time to do the conversion. It just depends on how on chain they want to be about it, I think. I think from an interface perspective, it makes it like a lot clearer and more straightforward to many people. Definitely. But if we're also talking about the Artblocks audience who are chain maxis and on-chain maxis, then seeing things in the USD could possibly be a turnoff because they are, from what I can tell, somewhat hardcore about it. I don't know. So much to consider. I mean, all of this also, I think, kind of touches on the right-click save article that went up this week, which kind of relitigates this debate between on-chain, what is on-chain, should we care about on-chain mm -hmm. as much as we do? And like, what are the virtues of IPFS? And I was pretty surprised reading this, how positively it's slanted towards the use of IPFS. And that seems to be the story that we hear from almost everybody that actually digs into it. Like Klaus Wilkie earlier this year or last year with that excellent FX text article. But what was the uh, TLDR of that article for people who haven't yet read it? I read it earlier in the week, so if I miss an important aspect of it, uh, regrets, and of course, check out the article, it'll be in the notes. But my takeaways were basically like, well, first of all, it's not clear that the Ethereum developer community actually really wants people doing on-chain storage like this. There's an ETH improvement proposal, EIP-4444, coming up that is going to potentially allow them to prune unused or unnecessary data from the chain to make it more efficient and easier to run nodes, right? Because the more data that's on, when people actually run these validator nodes that have the entire blockchain downloaded, like now you're just filling it with all this data. That's not actually relevant to the running of the network, which is what's important for stability versus like just having all like this random, you know, monkey code in there for our JPEGs. So there is actually some risk there, I guess, in a sense that your on-chain stuff may not be forever preserved, depending on how people vote. And also just the various degrees to which there are dependencies where on-chain doesn't mean everything. So that's a little bit of like what Klaus elucidated in his article. Like P5JS is not on-chain. For example, it's an external dependency. So if that ever becomes obsoleted or changed, it's it. Like then that reference call is going to fizzle, right? I don't know. So I think it's kind of just trying to get to the core of why do you think you care about this versus like what do you actually care about? And I think for all of us, we just care about like whatever's going to have the most longevity and safety to it. Mm -hmm. And on-chain isn't necessarily that answer. So, And I think there's also a really big conversation around the benefits of IPFS as well in terms of how anybody can run IPFS like on their local machine in a way. Like that is how Club NFT works with the pinning, right? Because you're essentially mm -hmm. pinning it on your own machine. And then if you ever want to get that back up into IPFS on the internet, it's very easy to go ahead and do that because you have the original file, something like that. Something like that. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. Me personally, I think I kind of don't care. I'm a little excited to see on-chain come for Tezos stuff in particular, because I'm just, it's a constraint. And as we kind of got to with our interview with Andreas that came out earlier this week, constraints can sometimes be very good. And so I mean, I'd love to see 
what a Zancan does if, if he decided to like try to do something on chain on yeah. Tezos. Or we just let Peter loose. Oh yeah, or Peter Pasma. I mean, when when on chain <laughs> is a thing, I feel like it's going to be the Peter Pasma Renaissance on FX Hash. <laughs> He's going to be so excited. Yeah. Also, also related to all of this, this website platform called Article.io, which I guess is a big NFT aggregator that was ETH only for a while, has just added Tezos. So now all of these projects that we know, I mean, most of what we're seeing here is from FX Hash. So this is, I guess, another data point towards like a multi-chain future. Not only do we have FX Hash coming over to ETH, but now we have this ETH forward site starting to recognize and track trends on Tezos. So Yeah, I think my question is, I don't know how accurate their Tezos data is. Right. <laughs> First of all, I think it's limited to just FX Hash because they're only FX Hash projects showing up. And also, apparently, the top collection for the last 24 hours is Here and Now Edition 5 with two sales. It doesn't seem like it has... It's definitely funky. I think you're definitely right. <laughs> but let's just assume it's going to get better. Well, yes. Okay, we can hope that it gets better. But right now, it's not inspiring confidence that the data is so out of whack especially for people yeah. who might now be interested in Tezos because when it's showing something that basically has netted 17 Tezen sales over the last 24 hours as the top project, from a volume <laughs> perspective, it like why would you go over and look at that blockchain? These people, want to they want to go where the money is, I find. Yeah, no, that's a good point. You know, they have it tagged as new. I hope it improves. But to me, I think it's positive that they're looking at Tezos at all. So that's where I'm kind of trying to focus my optimism. We'll see, and we'll see if it improves, as you said. Moving on. There's another big announcement this week. A that was huge really interesting. announcement this week, which is Vera Molnar is having a giant auction on Sotheby's next month. So July 26th, a new project is releasing. It is 500 editions with a starting price of 20 ETH and then going down to 2 ETH. Ooh. And there's been so much scramble and discussion as to, is it going to hit the bottom tier? Is it going to mint out? Regardless of what happens, it's still just very exciting. And I think it's safe to say that it's not going to get anywhere near the bottom tier of the Dutch auction. I don't know. I would have been interested to see if this was going to be a rebate auction. Then mm. I think I would say without a doubt, it does not go to the bottom. But considering there's no rebate here, and if you buy early, you're just punished... On a spectrum from 20 to 2 ETH, you could be potentially paying 10x more than you need to to get one. It's not a very tight range. So that to me is my, my one thing, which is like why I think that it might bias towards a lower price because there's no rebate on this, I guess, is, is what I'm saying. I'm not saying it'll definitely go to the bottom, but I just don't know. I don't know. What do you think? It sounds like you think it's going to go. Where, do you think it's going to go like well above 2 ETH? I think it will go well above 2 ETH. What I was just looking to do was check out where other projects like that might be of similar stature mm -hmm. did mint out. I think Harvest by Perkwork might be a project that did mint out above that. Oh, it did, yes. It minted out at 3 ETH, and that was 400 editions by Perkwork, who, I mean, it's an exceptional project, but... Yeah, no one knew, yeah. no one knew who he was except for us who knew him from FX Hash, right? Exactly. So. And I think that there's a lot of institutional interest in having a piece like this. Like if I am LACMA, do I really care about min-maxing what this could go for? Right. 
if you're low random. Exactly. You're probably minting multiples. And, and there's also yeah. big value of having edition number one, right? Maybe. Yeah. For some people who that might matter. Like I can see LeMond coming in and picking up multiples because mm-hmm. it is so big. And I think that the ETH collector base is so large and there's so much attached to this artist that there's no way it hits two ETH. Mm-hmm. It's only 500 editions. Are you thinking like it's going to go 10 plus? Do you think it's going to be like, are you, or are you just saying it's going to be like more like four to five to six range? Maybe four to five to six range. I think the fact that this is on the blockchain with ETH payment only could limit trad art collectors from getting into this. Mm-hmm. There's no credit card payment. There's no like, let me wire you however much money I need to wire you to get this. But perhaps maybe those people who'd be more on the institutional buying range, they would be working with buyers rather than being like, oh, I'm so-and-so who just works at LACMA. Yeah. It is kind of interesting that they're running this big auction and they are limiting it to only ETH. Yeah. I can't imagine that Vera was like, it's got to be ETH only. I only want crypto crypto payments, you know, like I'm sure. She's a crypto maxi. <laughs> I would guess she does not have a strong opinion about how people pay for this work. No. So it's interesting that Sotheby's is taking this stance. I guess that's like a good sign for people who love crypto in general. Um, do you have any thoughts as to where you think it would mint out or how you think it would be perceived by, on one hand, the generative art community and also the overall yeah. art community we'll see I, it's super interesting like i can see it again see arguments for like all those different spectrum of outcome here i can see it going super high because a lot of institutions and big collectors think this is like a no-brainer anywhere under 10 eth also creating collaboration with martin grasser who probably has his own like large fan base here so it's not you know, they actually went to the steps to get like a well-known generative artist to work on this with her it's Sotheby's. yeah maybe, maybe i'm silly for thinking that there's the chance that it might go down to two but I still think there's a chance. 500 editions, two ETH each. That's still a thousand ETH right there. Yeah. That's a lot of ETH. The one thing I'm curious about is how long form this is. Because it is saying like this is long form generative art. But when I look at, read into it, the paragraph about a look into the algorithm on the Sotheby's site, it says that upon the release of the 500 outputs, there will be two invocations of the algorithm that include a 10 by 10 grid each with a single empty square so obviously you could put that in from a odds perspective or it's pre-curated outputs that's what i'm wondering because it could be a long form project that's not released long form right and so i that part is confusing to me yeah and a lot of these older artists are not used to the idea of just doing like a pure long form yeah like 500 random ones like they tend to be of like the school of like let's look at thousands and pick the ones we like Mm -hmm. so but i don't know if that will hurt it as much the only potential issue there is if they mess up the upload and app accidentally like do a duplicate or something right that's always the risk when you do these like curated drops because someone at some point has to manually get the pieces up and make sure so and we've seen that in the past there being like duplicates and stuff like so We've got almost a full month. We'll be off from the show, of course, but I think we'll be keeping track of this one. 
I'm sure it's going to be one that we discuss in August when we come back after the auction is concluded. Yes, absolutely. Because maybe we'll each have one if it gets to two ETH. <laughs> wow, I don't know about that. Uh, moving on because we do have to get through the episode quarterly update, the Contra run, the Dragons run. There's a lot of red in here for the quarterly update. For the quarterly update, right? Like since we're gonna, we would normally be doing this next week, but if we want to do it really, really quick summary, for the sake of saying it. Tez is down 30% uh, yes. since we checked in in April. Everything is down <laughs> across the board, minus a couple individual pieces. And in aggregate, total Tez value of the index is down almost 40%, and the total USD value is down almost 40%. Yay. Parity. We're tanking at the same time, at the same right, rate. Right. That's pretty close to parity. We're still kind of underperforming compared to Tez in general. There's only one project that is up in USD terms. Literally only one. Yeah. And that project is Art for Walls and Public Spaces, which is up 5% in USD terms, but up 50% in In test terms. terms. I think there were a few sales. There were a couple sales, which is interesting to see. The OB Contrapuntos run was enough to push Contra up in test terms 26%, but it's still down 12% in USD from where it was a few months ago. So after all that sweeping, and same for Dragons. Like I mean, Dragons is up 8% down still 24% in USD. The one positive note here is that we are down in percent listed. Yeah. Well, last quarter, we were way up in percent listed. We were up 18% listed last last quarter. And this quarter, we're down like 4% in yeah. listed, mm-hmm. which is pretty good. So we're going back to normalization, but we still aren't quite to where we started the year out. But I, I feel like it's that's like a good positive takeaway as a potential like leading indicator that things could be bottoming out, that even though prices are down, like inventory is net coming off the market. Mm-hmm. I guess we'll see where we are three months from now. <laughs> yeah. Nothing else really to say. I mean, everything else is just so evenly down that it's really hard to have a solid conclusion other than there are just a few outliers. So not really worth dwelling or spending too much time on it, I don't think. And we can post the uh, horrible screenshot in the notes for anyone who wants to take a closer look at the numbers. Yes. Just doing a quick look at the monthly and it's less bad. Okay. That's good. We can do a side by side there and the show notes. Should we talk about some art? We had some pickups. We had some fun projects this week. You bought something. I did. I bought two tur, which is the architecture and tender collaboration piece that was released via the Artbox engine we've talked about Tur a lot and it's something that I've always been wanting to pick up. The listing was closed on Wednesday and they're just bringing that project to an end. It ended up at 154 editions. And so it really just kind of put some pressure to buy because there are only two listed all for multiple ETH. And, you know, I had some ETH in my wallet after selling my super rare project. So thank you to CloudVamp for that. And I minted two. I just wanted to see what I would get. And one I like a lot. The other I like a little bit less. It's a little too sci-fi for me. Flip, flip, flip. Well, flip. I, I would probably trade. <laughs> trade, trade. That's cool. I'm glad you picked those up. I mean, we went to that exhibit. Everything looked so cool at that space, the Bright Moment space down in lower Manhattan. It was awesome to see Tender jumping over to ETH. But I actually haven't seen your mint, so put them in the notes so I can see what you got. Yeah, absolutely. On my end... I made some offers this week. Wow. Uh, collection offers or piece offers? A mix. Okay. So I was looking at some more Jarrah stuff and Coronados 
are still like in the 300 plus range there. And I was like, you know, I could put in some offers lower. I have a lot. I like these a lot, but let me go look at some of the other stuff. And my other Jarrah's projects I really like were Hereafter and Attachment, which we talked about a lot on the show when those released. And I put in some like 30 to 40 ish percent below floor offers. And so far I've gotten one of each. And I think I put in like offers for two of each. So if you're out there, you can sell me a hereafter an attachment probably still. But then I did a piece offer on a Let Me Fall, which was the Eric Ondor piece from a couple months back that I really liked. And I got number 104, which is really cool looking. It looks like a whale. Oh, it does look like a whale. It is very nice. Yeah. Was it listed? It was listed for 100 something. And I put in an offer on it for 25. (laughs) Oh, wow. This project has now been turned on as a redeemable. Oh, retroactively. Interesting. Okay. I've never actually like played with redeemables because I didn't mint the other piece. So I'm going to have to look at this. Is the redeemable extra on top or is it for? Uh, Oh, is extra on top. (laughs) The base redemption cost is 600 Tez. Okay. Okay. (laughs) So I might not be uh, redeeming this anytime soon, but I don't know. I just thought this one was super cool. It's like a very blue on white. It's like a whale hovering above a tick. Not like a tick like the bug, but like a tick like the Roxanne piece. So I just thought this was a very cool iteration. Put in a very low ball offer on it compared to where it was listed and got it. So another let me fall in the bank. We had some cool projects released this week on FX Hash. Tyvek is back with this trilogy, the self trilogy. We talked a little bit about this in Looking Ahead last week. Did you mint any of these? I did not mint any. I was on the reserve list for whatever the first one is. It was Super Ego or was it Id? Ego was the first one. No, Id was the first one. It right. was, the, Id first was one, the first one. But I was so busy that I couldn't mint at all. So I've just sat this entire series out because obviously, you know, the first project was primarily reserved for holders of Tyvex pieces. And then the next one was reserved for holders of Id. And then the last piece piss holder was reserved for holders of it and super ego. So it was mm-hmm. a little bit of that really fun market dynamic thing where everybody rushes in to get the first one so they can then relax through the rest. The upside is that those t- types of market mechanics are really great at grabbing attention, but it also makes it less fun to try to get in once to you get start. in. Yeah. And so <laughs> yeah. like the second two pieces, and we saw this with extracurricular activities pieces, right? Mm-hmm. They just get, a lot less attention overall. To me, this was like, this is an encouraging release because we saw it go out in two blocks. We haven't seen a piece go that quickly in quite a while. And on top of that, people use gas. The reserve mm-hmm. list was oversubscribed to it. So I, I tried to mint two because I had a reserve and I was like, okay, so I'll mint one on the open. This is going to be chill. It's going to be casual. And then I'll take my reserve and I'll have two. And then I can like make two sets. I fully missed on the open. I didn't gas. It was just like transaction failed. The power of Tybeck, <laughs> yeah. you know, the power of anonymity. And on top of that, people just really seemed like interested in this and resonated with the write-up and really, really liked the art. So I got my random one. I tweeted it from our account because it's kind of like a grumpy little guy that it that just I got. Just like you. Yeah, exactly. And then I took my super ego and I have my ticket for ego, which is the Prams project now. And I have a couple good ones saved. I need to figure out. I got a week to figure out which one I'm in. I'm not rushing into it. It was also cool to see that they had some good action. Mm-hmm. It and Super Ego both had good action on the secondary. They both have floors above Mint. 
for a while there, the id floor was around 150. I don't know if it's still there now, but it was pretty crazy. I actually considered selling into it, but I was a little worried that because these were spaced one day apart, that I wouldn't have time to get back in Mm -hmm. and guarantee myself a reserve. Yeah. Of the three of these, my favorite is the Prams one, I think by far. What about the Prams one makes you love it so much? Something about the structure of them, like the compositions, you know, they, they all use the same palettes. And mm-hmm. I think the ego is a mashup of the other two, as far as yep. I can tell. Yes. And that's because according to Tyvek and the writings that they put up, the id is something that is kind of more innate. The super ego is all about society and ego is kind of that, the combination of the two. And so that's also the reason why it's the params piece of the project is because mm-hmm. essentially you can choose how you show yourself to the world, drawing on your experiences and who you are and everything. So I think conceptually, it's a really strong trilogy. Very much. And it creates context, which I like, because to me, like the self one, the middle one is the weakest, because it feels more like tightly constrained into like trying to be these figures. And I don't always like the way that those play out. Mm-hmm. But that could be much like society just like society. But then I I love that you can tie them together and get like your perfect third one. It's kind of a beast of params to work with. And so the way I've just been approaching it is one of the params is like personality type, like Myers-Briggs. And so Mm -hmm. I just picked mine and locked it. What's your personality type for Myers-Briggs that people want to know? INTJ. Okay. I believe. I think it kind of flips between I and E depending on when I take the test. Mm. But I'm locking in INTJ and then just going random and kind of treating it like a verse style collector curated drop and just saving the ones that pop out to me. Cause there's a lot of seeds and a lot of little dials that I just don't know what they do. So if I don't know what they do, I'm just going <laughs> to click randomly. Yeah. You should flip it to ENTJ just to see if you resonate with those results more. I should do that. We've just got a week, fun. so I might as well. So yeah, I love this drop. It was cool to see Tyvek back. It was cool to see some volume, some action, some people getting super excited, some flipping. Felt like old times. Yeah, it was a lot of conversation, a lot of sharing, which is one of the most fun parts about yep. the FX Hash community is everybody's so excited for their mints and for picking ones that they like on secondary. So mm-hmm. it's really great to see kind of a return to that. And I wish we had more releases like this more often. When the bear market is over, we'll see more releases like this again, you know, more frequency. I think people are just not taking a lot of shots, but Tyvek is a contrarian, I guess, in that sense. Definitely. What else did we have this week? There was like a lot of art across other platforms too that we can talk about. Yeah. So I think that, you know, maybe these are more categorized as shout outs, perhaps. Mm. Maybe we can talk about or just review Spazio Colore by Alessandro Fiore, aka White Cross. It was on Alba. I just finally released we talked about a little bit about it last week and the outputs now that we were seeing more of them come through and had a chance to play with the generator it's really awesome and really wish this had come to fx hash i did mint two actually oh nice i minted one okay i was hoping to see maybe some of that mint two flip one to cover but i think what we're seeing with the alba projects is that they can't really sustain a edition size more than a hundred yeah, it was really crazy to me that this one didn't mint out. It's still open. It's only got 148 of the 295 minted. 
Whereas a lot of the other smaller projects were minting out really, really quickly. Mm-hmm. To my taste, like personally, like this is my favorite. And I, I know we were both hyped on it when we were talking about it last week too, especially considering it was like a, a rebate auction. I think it was really hard to imagine this not minting out. Maybe my expectations or our taste just a little misaligned. Well, <laughs> because no, because I, I, you're looking at all of the Flatlands projects. If you look at the ones that are open versus closed, all of the ones that are still open all have 200 plus editions mm-hmm. and everything that's sold out is 100 or 105. And so I think that that's a clear correlation that we're seeing so far. It'll be interesting to see of how that tracks over time. And also continuing to track volume over time. Although Falling Water was 250 and that one sold out. That's true, but. And then Chris McCauley was 286, but those are the first ones in. So people maybe mm. have the most liquidity there. Yeah. Okay. Kind of like my thinking about it, we saw with Dan's piece, it minted out really fast. There were a lot of people who were attempting to flip it. Uh, I didn't really check to see if the same thing kind of happened with Chris's. But to me, it was kind of like, well, maybe what happened was a lot of the flippers who came in on those projects felt like they got burned. And so there was enough organic interest to mint, then continue to mint out these like 100 ish. Yeah. But then now that we're seeing a couple that were more than that, there's not those flippers there to support them beyond just what the organic collector base is. So that was kind of like my amateur, <laughs> like hobbyist take. Yeah. I, on it. it tracks with um, my assumptions as well. There's only one more left to go in this Flatlands exhibit, Bang by Cybersea, which is an artist I'm not super familiar with. This one's 333 editions. We had a cool project from Jess Hewitt, Boundary Issues, The Great Traversal from Gorilla Sun. But still, I think the White Cross, the Alessandro is my favorite of all of these, Yeah, which is why I, why I minted it. And we should definitely put our mints in there. What Anything that you want to, like, well, I should ask you what made you want to get two of these other than. Like obviously, you like the project, you thought there might be flip potential on it. But looking at the two that you got, are you super happy? Yeah, I, I got one that um, number eleven, which is a kind of interesting palette. It's like not one of like the bright, vibrant ones. It's more like pastel-y neon. But some of these are just so amazing. I know that the one that you minted was very cool. Some of the ones that end up being like more full screen with less white space in the background. Those, I think, were the most impactful and the most standout. I guess I have to look in my MetaMask wallet. I can't figure out how to see my collection on Alba. Maybe that's not enabled yet. Yeah, I, I had that issue. I also think the ones that are like on the black background, they also really pop. I'm thinking about from like terms of having it as like a phone background. I like those, especially some of the palettes. I don't like the grayscale ones, though. Mm. I'm kind of looking at this project and I think maybe the grayscales were put in as like a an attempt at rarity or we know that there are people who like chase that. But for me, they don't feel like they fit the project. Yeah. And so I'm happy I didn't mint one. I had number 39, by the mm-hmm. way, which has some nice strokes of black in it, but it's not on a black background. Yeah, definitely much more of like that full screen, lots of vibrancy in there. This project doesn't have features or I don't know if any of the projects on Alba have features. And so it's hard to get a sense of what rarity is, but also that's beautiful (laughs) because it's more along the lines of subjective rarity. Oh, as a reminder to myself, we got a message from Alessandro about this, asking if we took ETH donations. And I need to check the ETH wallet to see if if he sent us one. Okay. Because he may have sent us one. But I don't have it imported onto this computer yet, so I can't check. 
but thank you in advance if you did, or thank you retroactively if you did, Alessandro. Yeah, what else did we have here? We had we had two art blocks drops this week. Mm-hmm. The first one we talked about last week as well, Invisibles by Ismahilio. It did mint out at the bottom tier of 0.1 ETH. And I have to say that looking at all of the items together, there's so much variety in this project. It's super clean. It looks like it should have been a part of the, the Gen Arc exhibition over at Verse. I think mm-hmm. it would have been such a great fit there. Yeah, I'm surprised it went that low, to be honest. And it seemed like from what I could tell of, of the action after the mint, there was a good amount of flipping and there mm-hmm. were some savvy collectors going in and trying to pick out some palettes that they liked or compositions that they liked. You know, some have a moon, some don't. So there was opportunity like right after the mint for people to go in and, and cherry pick their favorites. Mm-hmm. And there definitely is the ability to cherry pick here. You know, some of them are more abstract. Some of them are more about looking into a building. Um, one that I'm looking at, number 71, it is almost like a tur in some respects because there's just like this single mm-hmm. tower that has the hint of a mountain and the moon in the background. It's very clean and simple. And so you're really able to see everything that is on offer. Some of these remind me of like Gondor from Lord of the Rings. <laughs> there's a ton of variety. I like when they draw to because it's kind of like the opening to Fraser. <laughs> You know, yeah, <laughs> like I know what you mean. Seattle skyline. Yeah, the number 69 too is like this nice kind of like mono tower with a very abstract like sky background with the moon. I mean, this is a very, very cool project. I'm, again, shocked that it went all the way to the bottom, but I guess the market being what it is, that's kind of in play for any project these days. Mm-hmm. But the floor is higher than 0.1. You know, right now it looks like the floor is like probably like in the 0.3 to 0.4 range. So at least it's, giving value to people who dared to mint. Yeah. There was also this interesting kind of weird flag project called World Flag. This artist, John Gerard, I guess in collaboration with Pace Galleries, released this project. And this one performs really well this week. Yeah. From what I can tell. It is like 48 ETH in volume, something like that. Or when I looked last night, that's what it was. It minted out above floor at 0.34 ETH, starting at 11 I think it shows the power of this is a project that has a statement, you know, talking yeah. about the degradation of the earth from a, like a climate perspective, the geopolitical responsibility in how that occurs, and also the potential rise of future militaristic states. It's very much like an ADA ADA project in a way. Mm-hmm. I mean, that being like the FX hash artists that we know for using data a lot in their work. When you look at the features on this piece, the features are things like population, uh, country, right? Each flag is obviously comes from a country. And each country is represented once. Human-caused greenhouse gas emissions is a number. Emissions as a percent of global total. So this project is drawing from real-world data in some way. And when you animate it, the flag is like this animated gaseous state. So I think it's supposed to kind of like represent emissions in a way. You know, there's definitely, mm-hmm. like you were saying, this this environmental aspect to it here like everything's on on like a desert background right it's very desolate and that's it it's just you have this flag that's kind of like flapping waving in a what could be kind of like a gentle breeze but then it's just this constant plumes of like chemical like gas coming out to form it does this pass the wall test for me no does it pass the would i not be surprised to see in a museum test for me yeah it passes that yeah, it passes that. 
and I suspect that a lot of the success of this was because of like the collaboration with Pace. And and this is an artist that neither of us knew. So I, although he has done one other project on Artblocks before, which was also like environmentally themed. Mm-hmm. So perhaps people knew from there. But I think it was last week that you were saying we need more high concept art, right? So yeah, of here's, course. Here's one more statement art. So here's one right in that zone. Cool to see it succeed and people jump on it. All right. I need to start getting going. So. Okay, let's wrap it up then. So that was World Flag by John Gerard. Two more art blocks pieces, shout, shouting those out. Let's shout out the Materialize exhibit on Verse. They had two auctions this week that were nail biters at the end. Auctions are going to be going through next week, so check those out. And the long form will be releasing mm-hmm. there. Check out our interview with Andreas Giesen as well for more info on that. Looking ahead, obviously we can't look ahead to the whole month that we're going to be off. But there's a hackathon being run on FX Hash. There's going to be a lot of projects over this whole next month of uh, July. And at the very end, Cyphered and Alejandro are, and I think one other artist are going to be judging them. And this is to see who can get the most creative with uses of FX params. Cyphered even did like a bit of a show and tell on FX params features for artists to help figure out like how they can create projects that might succeed in this hackathon. Maybe we can try to link to that. I think they mm-hmm. posted the video for it to Twitter and stuff. And I have one project here oh, yeah, I'm looking forward to. Same, and it comes out next week. So I guess we will tweet about it and not talk about it. Yeah. This is Printers by It's Gallo. The return of It's Gallo uh, after their stint at Artblocks coming back to FX Hash. And this is a redeemable token as well. Yeah, that's what I'm super excited about. So this is like a cool animated piece. I really liked their last one from the platform called Computer. Mm-hmm. That one was really cool. This is kind of similar to that. But the redeemable aspect is like he literally will just print it out for you (laughs) on a piece of computer paper and fold it up and put it in the mail like a still from it. So it's like very low tech. And you could potentially get one of these for 16 tabs in the Dutch auction and there's no additional cost on the redemption there. Really? Yeah. For some reason I thought that there was, but that's a heck of a deal. I was looking through it on the redeemable info. It says base redemption cost is zero tabs and you have no options. It's just an eight and a half by 11 folded piece in a envelope. The other great thing about this project is that from a feature perspective, it has the the GIF export, mm-hmm. which is something that we really liked from that Alex Grasser piece as well. Yeah. Look forward to that. That might be a very fun, affordable, even at 64, right? It would be a pretty affordable redemption piece and you can get a nice physical. It'll be signed by its gallo. So I don't, I'm looking forward to that. I'm hoping to get it gets a little low and it'll be like a nice deal. And that's kind of it, I think. Anything else that we missed? I know you have a baby in your lap probably. So I do. Any any parting thoughts as we go into our July hiatus? Well, I'm really looking forward to seeing what comes out of our July hiatus. Will we have a new format? Will we have a new name? Will we have a new brand? Will we have a new artist collaboration planned? That's, That's <laughs> you know, That's there's you. so the the list is long. The list of things that we haven't been able to just kind of like discuss and put our heads together on is incredibly long. I'm really looking forward to this time. Like hopefully we'll have many productive hours where we don't have to even think about the logistics of the show and we can just like align and open ourselves and just be like, this is what we want and this is how we're going to do it. You know, we're going to manifest by putting the work in. That's how you manifest. We're going to be around, get at us on Twitter, talk to us in discord, check out the interviews. Again, we're going to have more content coming. It's not like your feed's going to be empty. Look forward to our ciphered interview potentially coming this week. 
we got to get the okay from the team. It'll, it's going to come out as soon as they say we can drop it because there's a lot more in there beyond just the ETH discussion. There's a lot of the things Definitely. that have not been announced yet, which is why we're holding it back right now. So look forward to all of that. Also, if you have any ideas for things that you want to see from us, you know, now is the time, I think, to let us know um, yeah. because we are actively working on ourselves and on the, the podcast itself. So it's a good time to get feedback. I know we've DM'd some of you to try to get some feedback on on the show, and we appreciate hearing things like we like it or everything is so good, but we are looking for ways to improve it, ways to streamline things. Are there things that you don't care about? Should we stop doing news? Should we only cover art? Should we not, not cover art and only do market? I mean, like any, don't be afraid to give us any suggestion and any opinion. This month is the month to give us unsolicited or I guess solicited advice and counsel. Yep. And we'll be back better than ever, hopefully. That is it for this one. See Goodbye you August for 6th. July. <laughs> See you August 6th. And uh, yeah, we'll catch you on Discord and Twitter. Later, everyone. Bye.